Welcome to the Savvy Shopkeeper Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Cruz. Just like you, I'm an independent retail business owner. I love the home decor and gift boutique I co-own with my sister, but I don't want it to consume me or my life. Join me each week as I share lessons learned, helpful tips, and valuable information for your retail business and life. Whether you're buying your products or making your products, whether you're a 25K business or a $2.5 million business, I'm on a mission to help indie retailers work less, profit more, and grow. Let's get started on today's episode. Welcome to the Savvy Shopkeeper Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Cruz. I'm really excited because I'm back with another shopkeeper story today. And today I have Brittany Taylor of Redo Home Market. And I want to make sure that people don't think it's just Redo, R-E-D-O. It's R-E-D-O-U-X, right? Yes. (laughs) It's Redo Home (laughs) Market. We'll share all of the ways you can follow Brittany at the end of the episode But I'm excited to dig in because I don't think I've ever actually been able to just chat one-on-one with you. So I have a lot of questions. And this is the time, just like on the Jessica Thompson episode from Be Joyful Shop, I actually have spent time with her. She was at the retreat last year. I felt like I knew about her journey and I still learned a ton. So I get excited about these episodes. So Brittany, I want to know, what is your background? Tell us a little bit about your journey into shopkeeping, because I know there's a bit of a corporate background before you started owning a brick and mortar store. So tell me, where did it all begin and how did you end up owning a retail business? Yes. So I'm so excited to be here talking to you. So the way that it started was the end of this month, August, will actually make three years since I've owned Redo. I purchased the store three years ago, August 2019. Before I purchased the store, I have a background in tax accounting. So ever since I graduated college, I have a finance degree and an accounting degree. And that's all I've really ever done is I always have worked in different corporate settings and different corporate jobs in the accounting realm. About three years ago, when Redo, when I found out about Redo, that's when I decided to kind of take a complete 180 and purchase my own business. I always told my husband that I wanted to be my own boss, own my own business. I always thought I would be good at it. I felt like I was a pretty good people person. I have a business mind in terms of I love numbers. I love financials. I love all that kind of stuff. So that's really how it all started. So I've owned it three years this month and it's definitely been a wild ride, but I've had, I have no retail experience outside of a couple of retail jobs in college. So it was definitely a completely different field, but it's surprising how much accounting is wrapped up in it as well. So it's definitely served me well having that background. And I've kind of learned on the fly everything else. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, mo- like most of us. I ran a poll in the lab. I don't know if you saw it. And I asked who here had retail experience before you opened and the majority of them said no or very little. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. It seems most of us just kind of take the leap and then learn as we go along. How many years did you spend a- as a CPA? And are you still licensed? No, I'm not. So I worked in an actual CPA firm five and a half years before I went full-time with Redo. Before I worked at the CPA firm, ever since I graduated, my first degree when I graduated was in 2009. So from 10th, 2009 on until really I bought Redo, 
I've always worked in, you know, different accounting roles. I had more of a finance degree. So more of it was, you know, billing and financial analyst and things like that. And then I went back to school, got my accounting degree because I wanted to kind of be in more of a niche role that way. And that's when I got um, a position at the CPA firm. And that was the only CPA firm I ever worked for. And I was there about five years. Okay. And one thing I have to mention so that the listeners know is I always appreciate when you comment on the financial and the bookkeeping and the CPA, you know, the tax stuff that I post in the group, because I'm like, yes, I have backup. Like I have someone who understands what I'm saying, who's cheering me on here, who can explain it maybe in a different way, because I think perspective or being able to teach it in in a variety of ways can be really helpful because different people learn different ways. But I I do appreciate that about you in the group. So when you say you bought Redo, did you buy it from someone? Did you know that person? Because I'm sure people listening are maybe considering buying a business from someone else. And that can be a little tricky with a retail business. What are you looking for? So can you just tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I actually, in my downtime at my corporate job, I as me as um idea of maybe you know of me starting something it actually felt easier to buy something than start something while working full time and not knowing what i was doing so that was really the the only option i really went toward was purchasing cuz i'm really not a maker so i don't do florals i don't make artwork um always kid with the vendors like thank god y'all are here because i can't make nada i can't paint i can't draw i can't do anything <laughs> So I never really thought if I did open my own from scratch, it would have been purchased items anyway. So I always went toward purchasing a business because I actually felt in a way that it was less overwhelming, you know, kind of already had all the stuff and I could maybe purchase something and take it over. So as I was going through just looking for some different things that I thought I would enjoy running or owning, Really, the listing said home decor store for sale in Mandeville, which was where I was working anyway at the CPA firm. So asked for the information. They sent me the information and a non-disclosure privacy agreement that I had to sign, obviously, for obvious reasons. Once that was all signed, they sent me over the official financials, which is very high level. Just kind of, you know, this is the gross sales. This is their profit, things like that. Once I kind of spied on them and went by there to kind of look around and fish around and stuff like that. That kind of got the ball rolling. And a lot of it was only through the broker. Um, I've become friends with the prior owners. And once the ball was really rolling to where I was purchasing it, we got really close, but everything was very much through the questions were through the broker who would then go to them and ask and get answers and stuff like that. So it wasn't as much us communicating directly at the beginning. Once she was done with her role, then we did communicate together a little bit more towards the end. Direct Um, with the seller. Yes, exactly. I'm just going to pause one second because I think it's probably important that we give a picture of what Redo Home Market is. So how many square feet, what kind of store is it, all that stuff. So because I have a now, of course, I have a bunch of questions. Tell us a little bit about the store itself. Okay. Well, Redo is a vendor-based marketplace. So we have at this time about 75 different vendors at the store. When I first bought the store, we were 10,000 square feet of retail space divided into different vendor booths. Since then, we have expanded into half of, we were next door to a pet store. 
and they went to another, they moved to another retail spot to get a little, they needed more space. And so when that space opened up, we took over half of their space which is another 2,000 square feet. And that is Redo 2 Baby, which is more baby and children's focused maternity wear, tween and baby, nursery decor, clothing and gifts. Um, we popped a, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, we popped the case opening up. <laughs> and so the two stores are connected. So we, you come into the main Redo home market, go down the first aisle and right to your immediate right is a case opening. So then you can go into Redo Baby, shop and then come back out shop and then check out in the main redo home market section okay so yeah everything from furniture home decor clothing jewelry candles gifts hardware artwork i mean every, antiques vintage i mean everything you can possibly think of we sell and is your instagram when i look at your instagram feed is that all mostly your part of the business, meaning like the products that you buy and that you sell and redo baby, or is that the whole entire store, including vendor posts too? I post everything to the social media, but that is everybody's inventory though. So I'll kind of either do like a shout out for a specific, maybe it's a specific vendor or a specific one item, or sometimes if it's, we're about to put all of our fallout. So it might be 10 pictures on an Instagram post of fall and it might have eight different vendors in there that have fall to make it cohesive. Or if I do a clothing post, I might do five or six different clothing vendors in one post. So I kind of try to mix it up to where it's some of mine, maybe just a one item, maybe it's a vendor shout out just for them with some pictures. I actually just started a new series last week. It was the first one. One of the clothing girls was brave enough to go first, but it's like a vendor spotlight. So I'm doing one every Wednesday evening just to kind of show who are you buying from when you buy local, when you shop small, like sometimes you don't always see the person on the other side. And so the first one we did was with one of our clothing vendors, Adriana, she owns um, So LA Boutique. And so it was her and her two little girls. And it kind of just, they typed up a biography about them. When did you start the business? Why did you start it? This is your family. Because there's so, especially at a vendor market store like ours, some people work part-time, some people work full-time and do it on the side. Some people, this is their whole business. Some are retired and their grandparents or some, you know, it's just a whole different mix. Um, some do it with their mom and them and they do like a joint thing. So it's all kind of a mix. And I thought, you know, I bet you people would really love to see the background of, you know, you see us and we say we're a small business who supports small businesses and there's 75 vendors here and all that, but it's like, who are the vendors? Like when I buy a blouse or when I buy a vase or when I buy a piece of artwork, like who is the person who's actually the person who benefits from it? And at least at Redo, it's people just like me or people just like your aunt or your grandmother or your sister. It's all just most of the time, one person, you know, maybe two people that it's going directly to benefit, you know, their small business and their lives. So I'm excited. It was really popular last week. So I'm hoping that my mom's this week. So we'll see. Hopefully your mom some love too. Yeah. She's <laughs> oh, a vendor at the store. So I'm like, oh, you're they next. Better show your mom some love. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so a few things off of that. For sure, the vendor spotlight is fantastic. And if you think about it, if you have more than 70 vendors or even 70 vendors, that's almost a year and a half of content for every Wednesday. That's for the next year and a half, you have content, you have something to post on social media every Wednesday. And I can't agree more. I think I said this on that last episode too, with Jessica, 
or maybe just an episode I recently recorded, I actually say it a lot is that people buy from people and I get it. It's so it's, it can be uncomfortable to post about ourselves. It is easier to post about other people, but in the end, especially with small business, that's the, that's the advantage we have over big box and Amazon and everyone else is that we're real human beings behind the business, behind that cash wrap, you know, doing all of the things. I think it's so important for us to connect as humans through social media. And it's easy to forget that when we just get kind of get in these routines of posting product or events. Going back when you were talking about the broker and not specifically about the broker, but what were you looking for? Because I think this is going to be really helpful with your CPA finance background. What were the things that you were looking for when they gave you that either high level financial information or the more detailed financial? Did you know what you were looking for? I did. So the way that the only thing I didn't really know, I can really, because it's what I've always done, I can really take financials and kind of go line by line. And I knew what it meant. Now, retail, I know we talked about this some in the group, retail financials is a whole different animal in terms of like cost of goods sold and like of course, with any financial statements, I mean, you kind of have to take some with a grain of salt and not get too microscopic because you're just hoping that their financials are as clean as they can be. I know that's been a topic too, like mine ain't clean. <laughs> so I think like, you know, when you're going through it, that's when the questions come up. And so I really just started, once I had their high level financials, I just really just started like on a piece of loose leaf paper, all the different questions that I had. You know, you said this was advertising. What kind of advertising was this? What are the different ways that you advertise? Because on the other way was how can we make more profit than they, they did? So have they thought about other ways to advertise? I mean, one of the ways that we've that we've grown since I've owned it is organic advertising from the vendors, requiring that they also advertise. Like that's no cost to us. But, you know, when they come to me and they say, you know, what are, you know, we need to get more foot traffic. It's like, well, what are you doing to get foot traffic? Tell people to come here. When you go to vendor shows and they say, where can we find you? You need to be able to tell them where you are, you know, get cards, things like that. But really, I just started making a list of questions. And then when we met, we had just kind of an informal first meeting. And it was just really all the different questions, you know, the rent income that the vendors that the vendors pay. How is that calculated? Do you have a list that shows when, you know, when they're due for payment, if they're past due, all that kind of stuff, different ways of paying, like what do you accept, you know, for for payment, you check or we started doing a lot of Venmo, which has really helped with not having to chase down vendors for checks because nobody ever pays with checks anymore. Just little things like that. And so I just really just went kind of line by line. Um, One thing that she told me that I really didn't realize was the way that most retail businesses, at least for um, the type of retail store that we were, was it will the price and the profit that they show on their financial statements, how long, what I should be looking for is how long it will take me to get my money back for what I paid for it. So for example, if if a store makes $50,000 a year profit, but they're trying to sell their business for $250,000. Well, if you make no more profit than 50, it's going to take you at least five years to even make back your money before you even start making your own money. So she had told me the, the best rule of thumb with a lot of other factors, of course, involved was somewhere between like two years, three at the most would be 
if you didn't do any improvements, if everything was the exact same as it was then, the vendors sold the exact same amounts, all that kind of stuff, that it was somewhere between like one, you know, I would say two, three years to get your money back, whether or not you think that that's too high of a price, all that kind of stuff. So the accounting helped me in terms of, you know, when you look at their inventory, is there any stale inventory in there? You also have to take into account, okay, if they know I'm serious, they're not buying any more inventory. So they're going to be selling down a lot of their inventory just from not buying, you know, say it's 30 days. Well, from the minute you put your offer in to the minute you go to the closing, that's 40 days that they haven't bought a candle or anything. Not, of course, they're not going to, I mean, that's smart of them to not do that. But at the same time, when you go when, on your very first day, I mean, you're having to restock. So yeah, you have, you have $50,000, $60,000 of your own inventory, but you're not going to have that when it's time for me to take it over. So kind of, and all of that is ballpark, of course. I mean, it's not an exact number, you know, you're going to sell down X dollars, but it's having those little things in mind of this isn't going to be, I'm not buying it tomorrow. So what it is today and what it is 40 days from now, we all know own in retail stores, it's never the same. Things are going up, inventory goes up, then it goes down, goes up, you know, we're all getting our Christmas in, it's sky high, but then it sells down and you know, you have all these highs and lows in retail. And so just those kind of things helped me. I feel like I to go my line and really thinking to myself, you know, what, you know, things, some things are fixed and some things aren't. So are there things that I'm going to add expense wise that will make us more money? And there's things that I'm going to cut because I feel like this isn't worth it. Yeah. You just gave a mini masterclass about <laughs> to consider before you buy a business. I love it. That was so good. That was so good. So I just want to circle back if you don't mind sharing how quickly, because I, I know you, I know you well enough. You had a strategy in place. You had ideas in place to systematize things, to make it more profitable. You know, one of the things that you mentioned was you have a team of people. It's a team of 70 some vendors, you know, that you can lean on for marketing. That's a lot of, or just, this is the word you used. That's a lot of organic marketing. And when you bring that team on and you're all doing it to support each other, that can make a big difference. So with that, with the systems you set in place, were you able to recoup your investment in two to three years? I'm guessing it might've been sooner. Yes, absolutely. Yes. It was a, I always, I'm, I'm proud that it's for the first business that could have, that I bought that could have went, went south. I'm like, I'm glad I tell my husband with all the headaches, I'm like, at least it was a good buy. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. I, I felt like I knew the answer to that, but I did not want to answer on your behalf. And then going back to something that you said about having your financials as clean as possible. We talk a lot about that in Master Shopkeepers. I have lessons in the academy on it. I try to set people up for success here. And I get it. Sometimes it's the financial stuff that gets pushed in the bottom of the list. Although I really think it it, it should be prioritized more. But when you say as clean as possible, can you give a couple examples of what you mean so people understand what you're saying? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I always say, I mean, mine... So I have a bookkeeper and that if that was one of the, I do accounting and I, from the get go, when I set up the QuickBooks, I got somebody to help me do it because there's so many different layers of owning a business that it would, it would never get done if I had to do it. And especially with the vendor side of things, I mean, everybody gets 1099s, everybody, you know, there's payouts every single month, you know, 50, 60 checks a month that has to get, you know, printed and signed and all that kind of stuff, sales tax and everything. So 
the daily might have been okay for me, but the whole other side of just dealing with, you know, I mean, she keeps up with all the vendor rental agreements. She keeps up all that kind of stuff. That's like their deposits on their booth. I mean, there's just a lot of different parts that have to be organized. And so, I mean, anytime somebody requests something, I can just call her and she sends me a copy of it. And I'm just not that organized paperwork wise. So clean would be, you know, I feel like at any point really during the month, but even if you did it on a monthly basis, that you can look at the month, if it's the first week of August, that you can look at July or for the first half of the year and know, I just don't know how you can make decisions for the business if you don't know what you have. And I think I'm so passionate about it because with owning a vendor store, I mean, we have to have cash. Like I keep track of my cash just as close as I keep track of the profit because there has to be every 15th, like today is the 15th. So that's July sales that were available to vendors. Well, sometimes there's outstanding checks and things like that. But I mean, there's there always has to be money in the account for vendors to come cash their checks. I'm like, how can you cut checks when you don't know what you have? I just don't, or if you want to expand or if you want, you know, Chris, you know, you're buying holiday inventory. How do you know what you can buy if you don't know what you have? And so keeping it clean from a standpoint of when you look at it, there's so many times that I've looked at something for the month that looks normal. But then when you look at it for the quarter or for the half of the year or for the whole year, and I mean, when you see a big number, like just using advertising or, you know, employee food, because during Christmas, I'll buy, you know, lunch for everybody just to know because nobody can leave or things like that. But when you look at it from a month, I'll kind of say, oh, yeah, you know, we went out to eat or I bought this. But then when you look at it for years, like, oh, wow, I didn't realize we spent so much on advertising. Okay, we did. Was it worth it? And sometimes it is. But then other times, that was one of the questions I put in the shopkeeper Facebook group too. one time was like, how do you know if print advertising is worth it? Because We spend a lot of money, but you don't really know what the rate of return is. Like, how can you tell? But if you don't even know what you spend and you're just writing checks or money's flowing in and out, you just money flows in and out so much to where if you really don't have a handle on where it's going, it can feel overwhelming. Yeah. And I mean, the biggest thing, and there is a lot that you said there, but the biggest thing that I got out of that and that I really want people to hear is the accountant hired a bookkeeper, the CPA hired a bookkeeper. Like if you're doing that, that shows how valuable that position is in your business where you could have easily told yourself, well, I can save money and I can just do it myself. You knew, no, I need to have someone in this role because I have 200 other parts of this business that I'm going to have to manage. That's fantastic. And I hope that's the one of the big takeaways people get from that. So going back to your vendors and going back to your business, the reason I originally asked about your Instagram feed is, and I hope everyone goes to follow you, but the reason I asked about it is because it's, it's, it is very cohesive. That's the word that you used. It's very cohesive. And sometimes I think people have a traditional view of a vendor type store. It's interesting to me how much vendor type stores have evolved. And I love a traditional classic vendor type store with the separate booths where everyone does their own thing and styles them. I love the character of that. But I also love what I see over the past decade where these vendor type stores are a little more curated. And sometimes like I'm going through your feed and I have no idea 
be on, except that I already knew this about you and about your business, that it's a vendor store. It is beautifully curated. Everything seems to flow. Who's responsible for that in the business? Is it you? Who's got the magic there? I guess is what I'm asking. Well, it's the vendors. So the vendors are responsible for their own spaces. So we are in a way of the, especially the home side, the, the home market side, it is vendor booths. So it has that layout where, you know, we have three aisles and it's vendor booths. So they're responsible for their, their booth. Now, the way that the store always looks so, you know, cohesive and curated and stuff like that is we're all the vendors are really good at sharing spaces as in if we have fall or Christmas in the front, we'll pull, you know, we might have a beautiful outdoor table in the front. So one of the vendors might sell, you know, big wooden centronella candles. So we'll put one of those out and then we'll go grab a vendor's candlesticks and then we'll, the chairs from this vendor look really well. So they're really good. We don't pull enough to make a hole in their booth and make it look like there's nothing in it. Also, if there's ever a hole somewhere and the vendor's like, I have something on order, it's coming in, but it's not in yet. We'll pull something from another vendor and put it in there to make it look you know, cohesive. So that's one way. The other thing is I have Debbie, which is our stager at the store. So she comes every Friday and stages. She also works at the store at the end of our shopping center. So she comes Monday mornings, Wednesday mornings to like freshen up. And then Friday, we do like a staging day. So it might just be, okay, we feel like it's time to kind of just like revamp the front of the store. The front of the store when you first walk in is not rented. So we kind of make it either you know, outdoor during outdoor time, or then there's about to be fall. So we'll make it maybe have a fall look and then we'll put Christmas up there with trees and just things like that. And so she'll freshen up every Friday, but then maybe the baby side needs a revamp and it's just kind of looking messy. And we just want to move some stuff around and just give it a fresh look or if something big sells and we want to make that look completely different. We'll hang mirrors, different places, re-merchandise things. So that's like our Fridays. So she comes and helps. It's amazing to me. I think it looks good when I do it. And then she comes in and I'm like, how does it look so much better when you do it? She'll just move three things. She goes, it looks great. And then she'll move three things. I'm like, it looks a hundred times better. And then the other thing that we do is I get her and all the girls at the store send me pictures all the time. So if I'm not there, because I'm not there every day. So when I'm not there, then the girls will send me pictures of if a vendor comes in during the day and they bring something new, they'll send me pictures of it. Or they'll just send me like, hey, somebody was asking about LSU and Saints merchandise. So I thought I would send you pictures of it. That'll be a post. So I have hundreds of pictures on my phone and it'll just kind of keep because it's hard to come up with something new. You know, I post twice a day morning and evening. So, I mean, you're trying to think of something different (laughs) to say besides like, please come shop. Right. (laughs) So you're trying to like think of things and them telling me like people were asking about, you know, they can't, you have had lots of people come in today for LSU stuff. So they'll just send me LSU pictures. That'll be an evening post. I'm like, Oh, that's such a good idea. They can kind of help me think too. You, you kind of get funk out sometimes, you know, so (laughs) they'll kind of help me think. So that helps. So kind of having everybody all the girls in the store are all vendors, so they work part-time, but they have their own spaces. So kind of know, how do you feel when your stuff, you know, when your stuff isn't selling or, you know, when people don't handle your stuff right? Like, that's how the other vendors feel, too, because they're kind of on both sides of that. You know, they're the employees, but they're also a vendor as well. They can kind of see both sides. 
So all that is to say that it does, that's what kind of keeps it looking cohesive and accepting vendors that have a cohesive look too. We don't accept vendors that honestly just don't think their stuff will sell. The store makes profit off sales. So I always try to look at it as it's not just the rent. You know, they pay rent on their booth. That is important. Yes, that's important that everybody pays their rent on time and things like that. But also if somebody's paying $600 a month for rent and they're selling $500 a month, that's not very good. You know, so it's working with them. That's what I do. The girls don't do that. But that's what I do is, you know, okay, maybe your stuff's too high. Maybe it's too low. Maybe your your items are too low. You have too big of a space for the little items that you sell. So either add some higher priced items or we need to move you to a smaller space and kind of, or, you know, exiting them kindly out. You know, that's another thing is like, it's just not working out for you here and it's not working out for us either. And the store profits from the sales, you know, the rent pays the expenses, you know, the rent for the building and stuff like that. But the sales is what keeps the store running, you know? So if the vendors aren't selling, the store is not making money. You know, so I I imagine that so many of the vendor store owners are appreciating everything that you're saying. It's it is so much of a team effort. I think a lot of people listening are going to say, can we have a Debbie in our life? Like, where did you find Debbie and all that good stuff? I joke now with my nephew working at the store. He's he's an artist. He's very talented. I I think uh, Elijah is now my Debbie. (laughs) It was really helpful. He does incredible window displays and all of that. So that's her only role at the store is the styling and the merchandising. And she comes in that one day a week. That's fantastic. How Just quickly, like, how did you find her? She actually, well, she's a vendor at the store too. So she sells a brand of candles that we sell at the store. She had actually been there, the stager for the prior owner for a little while. And then they had someone else stage in the store. And then when she left and didn't stage a store anymore, um, she actually called me. I was kind of like overwhelmed, you know, I'm like, I don't, I don't have, I didn't have connections with people then, you know, right at the beginning. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't stage the store by myself, you know? And so she kind of just called me up. She was like, you need help? You know, I heard she's not there anymore. I'm like, yes, yes, I need help. I need help. So she started and she's like an angel woman. So, I mean, and she'll come more during Christmas when we set up Christmas. I mean, we might work together three or four days and get Christmas all out. But then it just, she just kind of comes through and she has more of a visual, like she can look at something and tell something. So I can't, I can't see, oh, there was a vase, like a little gold vase that was sitting right here. I'm like, oh, was there? Okay. You know, I didn't realize that. So she, she's more visual. Um, But I think we're a good team because sometimes I feel like when she gets wrapped up in it being too pretty, I'm like, it doesn't sell this way. And so we kind of balance each other out like that. Oh, She'll want something to look. She's like, but it's not pretty, it's pretty like that. I'm like, yeah, but when you set it up this way, the coffee table's blocking the bookshelves and nothing on the bookshelves sell because the, the coffee table's too close or something yeah. like that. Cause I watch people all day long and I'm like, they'd never go behind the coffee table to get to the bookshelves. So nothing on the bookshelves are selling. Cause this is, but she's like, but it looks so pretty right there. I'm like, I know, but the point is for things to sell, you know, we're here to sell merchandise. So we're a good yin and yang that way. And just work. We never, I'm always like the one number one rule is you can't get your feelings hurt. You know, so sometimes I'll style something and she's like, this looks horrible. (laughs) She'll just come behind me and style it. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, as long as it's out on the floor, it doesn't matter. You're more form and function and she's more design and style. And that's a great balance. I don't think I've ever Mm -hmm. had a conversation with someone who had that that kind of balance, but I love it. It's like, you're like approaching it like the business and the selling side and she's approaching it like the design and style side. And that 
could that could make a huge difference in a retail business. I know we could talk for another hour. I know I always feel like this <laughs> happens. But I'm curious, I mean, and, and I still feel like I've been taking notes and I still feel like I have other questions, but we have to wrap it up. So what is your vision for the business or for yourself as a business owner for the next three to five years? And, and the other thing too is you just opened the redo the baby side a year ago, right? A year and a half ago. Yes. So do you still, do you plan on expanding more? Where, where do you see your future, your future in particular? I don't see expanding anymore. I, I really don't. I The vendors that we have now, I was telling my husband, we went on a date a couple weeks ago and I was like, I feel like the vendors that we now are better than ever. Also felt like over time, the better quality vendors that we've gotten have attracted better quality vendors. They're reaching out to vendors that they know that are really good quality that are getting on our wait list. So that's definitely something that I'm proud of. The great thing about the baby side is I've always said that if it's not worth keeping it as just baby, we can always just expand into more vendors that way. So that might be something I I personally love the baby side. It's my very favorite part of the whole entire store. I always say like I could almost give up the home decor part, but our customers love home decor so much. I probably wouldn't, but I'm like, if I could just do baby, I probably would let more home decor vendors do the home decor if, you know, somebody good enough came along that wanted to do that kind of thing, but really just keeping it to where we are. I don't have just having the case opening almost killed me. I felt like, so I don't really have plans. Ask me two years from now, like when someone's like having a kid and you forget. So maybe I'll forget <laughs> how hard it is, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe when my, my kids are young still. So I feel like maybe when I have a little bit more free time, maybe I'll have, I'll want to open up maybe a second location that's vendors that's not attached to redo home market now. Maybe like you know, in a city 30 minutes away or something like that. But I don't know. We'll see. And this is a great place for me to ask because I think family, friends, partners, all that stuff is so important. Who, what is, tell me about your family. I know you've mentioned your husband a few times. You you said you have little kids. How old are they? Yeah. So I'm married to my husband, Brad. We've been married. We'll be married 12 years in November. And then we have two girls. So our oldest, Meredith, is I'm going to be 11 on the 22nd of this month. And then our youngest is six and a half, Hillary. Yeah, that'll keep you busy. <laughs> yes, it will. So, Which is I another mean, good thing about the business is that you have the, flex, you know, I do have the flexibility, especially with having the vendors to have more yeah. of a loose schedule. Which reminds me too, you said, I'm not at the store every day. How many days? I think this is also important too. The, si- the size of this business, 10,000, 12,000 square feet, 70 plus vendors. How many days are you at the store a week? Between two and three. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. And then with, with the busy time coming up, you know, with really this month and then September one, it's just going to be crazy town for all of us. So um, I do plan to be down there more. You know, I might tell the girls like, hey, to help out, you know, with expenses and stuff like that, I'll go down there on a Saturday because I'm not, quote, on the clock. And so I might go down there at 10 o'clock and be open. But then if we start to slow down at four on a Saturday, I'll just be like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and go, you know, and I help kind of help customers on the floor. I know how to run the register, but I hate it. So I kind of help customers on the floor. I'll refresh, do things like that. But it's enjoyable. Like when you don't work it every day and you don't get burnout on that side, like it's actually kind of fun, kind of fun being there. I agree. I'm at the my yeah, the same. I'm at my store two to three days a week. I'll probably pick up some more hours in Q4, in particular November and December. And then I want to get back to my routine. I like only being there two to three days a week. I I love my customers and and I love the store and I love what we do, but I do enjoy the breaks from that. So shout out 
I have to give shout outs to your whole entire team, all of the vendors, your family, because, you know, we, it's not just us. There's so many moving parts when you're running a retail business. So I want to make sure that I mention them, especially if they're listening and they're like, Hey, what about us? I want to make sure that I mention them. I completely agree. I mean, having the girls, I always feel like in the group, when, you know, when people have staffing problems, I mean, I have 100% been there like a hundred thousand times. So I always feel like I, you know, it's always easier on the other side when you're fully staffed and everything's just running the way it's supposed to, to be like, it's going to get better. You know, don't just hire for any old reason. But I mean, I know on the other side, it's like, I just need somebody and it's hard to see the other side, but yes, it's definitely the only way it runs as a well-oiled machine is when there's everybody kind of pedaling in the same direction. So having the, having the girls at the store, having Debbie, having the whole team, having the vendors. I mean, if Debbie's been sick, I've helped, I mean, you know, vendors have helped me, you know, help with the store that, you know, they do design on the side or their home decor vendors. I'm like, you know, could somebody come and help me? One of our vendors, he has a, him and his wife have a store at the end of our shopping complex when we need, it's only us at the store women. So when we need a big piece moved out, they'll come and help us move it, you know, and it's, they don't have to, they don't have to help us, but they do, you know? So it's, I mean, it's a hundred percent a team effort especially with, like you said, that much space and that many vendors, everybody has to be on the same page. Yeah. So speaking of team and support, um, I always like to end by asking what made you join Master Shopkeepers? You've been in for a little while now. You're definitely comfortable with it. You're familiar. You you attend some calls and you don't some others. I get it. Like not everyone can attend every single thing that I host, but what made you join it and what have you gotten out of it? Oh my gosh. So I think I've heard a podcast episode. That was when I first even heard of the group. And then you were doing the enrollment for the master shopkeepers. I wasn't even in the shopkeepers lab. I just like went full in. But I think what drew me in so much was that there were other vendor store owners in it. You don't find a lot of vendor store. It's just a different animal. So a lot of advice, not that it's not good advice, but a lot of advice from other brick and mortar retail store owners is like, it's just not the same. Like, I know, like we've tried to almost like a lot of stuff, you just have have to tailor it like the open to buy and stuff. It's just hard because you can't always just take your gross sales and it's like, well, that's not all mine. And it just, it's just a little bit more tedious and more steps. And so just being in there and having either full-blown vendor stores like us in there or some that do a little bit of both, some who just have a few, you know, there's kind of like all a mix, but I think it's ways of not only airing frustrations because there are frustrations to it as well when you're, there's a lot of different personalities and a lot of different things, but also every time, I feel like every time that somebody posts, hopefully I even give helpful advice. It's like, you know, have you tried this or, having other or a lot of, you know, some have started as vendors and they own their own stores now. So it's like, what about a vendor perspective as well? So that was really what drew me in so much because I just never knew anybody else that had a vendor store. It just wasn't the same. You know, I couldn't really talk to the vendors themselves because they're, it's different too. And then just having your own retail store is not really the same. So that's been invaluable, you know, and then just having all of the different you know, when, when anybody posts about frustrations or being nervous and, you know, the economy, I mean, just all different kinds of stuff. And you know that we're all feeling it. So it's almost like it takes one person to say 
and we're all like, yes, <laughs> you know, it's like, like us too, or like all the Christmas coming in, you see the credit card bill going up and you're like, oh my gosh, but everybody else. So it's almost like somebody talked me down. Somebody talked me down here. You know, I need somebody to, to bring me back down because I'm freaking out. And then people are like, oh, it's going to sell. You're going to have the best Christmas ever. And it's like, okay, okay. I think I can do it. Or when people are expanding and we're like, we've done it, you can do it. You know, it's going to be oh my gosh, I'm so stressed. It's so stressful at the beginning, but when it's open, it's going to be great. And just having, when you actually, not just here in your family say, you're so great, you know, but it's like, I've done it. I've been there. I get it. You know, with the pandemic, we get it. This is what we're doing. Let's all kind of, and you kind of can, you know, take the meat and throw out the bones for what doesn't necessarily apply to you, but just seeing different viewpoints just kind of gets, just kind of gets your wheels turning. It really does. That group does. And it makes it feel like it's less of a lonely journey. That's the one thing I hear a lot. Like this is this thing can sometimes feel lonely. I don't feel alone anymore. I feel like I have a hundred, you know, at this point, sisters, we have men in the lab. I don't think we have any men in master shopkeepers yet. They're all welcome, but it does. It feels like you have a big support team through the good and the bad. So I would love for people to learn how to follow you, how to find you. Tell us your website link, your social media link. Tell us it all. Yeah. So we have a website. Um, it just really has store inventory on it, not vendor inventory. That's another animal. But it's www.redohomemarket.com, R-E-D-O-U-X. Um, we also have Facebook and Instagram. I don't we don't do as much on Facebook. I pretty much post on Instagram and just copy it to Facebook because we're much more active on Instagram and it's just redo home market. And then we also have our baby Instagram as well, which is redo to T O O baby. And so that's where the majority of all our posts are. Like I said, if you're on Facebook, it's redo home market. It's the same thing really as Instagram, but we do most of our, you know, stories and all that kind of stuff on Instagram. We're just much more active there. And was Redo Home Market the name of the business that you bought or did you change the name? No, it's the same. It's the okay. same. So I just set up like I had to set up a LLC. So my LLC is MH Interiors LLC. And then I have a DBA for Redo Home Market to keep the same name. Okay. Because sometimes people change. So I'm sure people were wondering that too. This has yep. been great. You gave so many good tidbits. I know we're going to get a lot of good quotes for graphics for this episode. <laughs> so Yay! <laughs> thank you. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much for doing this. I know I had to cancel once and we did it today. And there might be some audio issues. So if you listen to this podcast and you heard a little bit of audio stuff going on, the one thing that I always say is like, sometimes we just have to push through and these episodes are just too good not to do them. So thank you so much. Anything else that you want to share? Any final bit of advice for someone who wants to open a vendor store? And the and this is the other thing that I wanted to mention too, is we have so many vendor and consignment type stores in Master Shopkeepers now that I added a vendor consignment module to the academy just because I saw there was that much of a need for it. And really, it's all of you who have contributed to it and who showed me that I needed to add that to the academy so that I could support all of you. We even had a vendor and consignment store group call in Master Shopkeepers, and that was so good. I'm sure I'll do another one. But any final bit of advice for a vendor type store, since that's what you are, and I know that's what you could jam out on for like two more hours. 
Yes, I could. Um, my main piece of advice, if you if you own one or you want to own one, always have your goal of like my mission and my North Star, in other words, is no matter how frustrated I can get or the, you know, the bad parts that come with the good parts is the goal of Redo is to lift up the vendors and support small businesses. If they succeed, then Redo succeeds. Um, the more that we can do that and then reason is it's better for everyone. Everyone wins. If the vendors are winning, then the store is winning. We have happy vendors. We have happy store owners. If vendors are making tons of money, so is the store. And so that's really the, you know, the passion and the drive behind Redo is supporting small business in any way we can, whether that's pop-ups, whether that's we've opened up smaller spaces for vendors because we understand that not everybody can afford or have the products to fill a whole entire booth. Do they want a baker's rack? Do they want a shelf? Do they want a bookcase? So being open to the types of vendors that you want to serve is, you know, number one and just being their biggest advocate. Um, so if you have all those little things, I think that it can be a win-win. Perfect. And that's a great way to wrap it up because that's my North Star too, is support other small businesses. So I feel like that's in total alignment. Thank you, Brittany. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time to do this and for sharing all of your wisdom with us. I genuinely appreciate you. I appreciate you being in the group. Thank you. Thanks, Kathy. 